Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where from the period of time of March 2021 through June 2022, I interviewed 182 founders, executives, entrepreneurs, artists, and authors from over 50 different countries and built a global audience in 165 countries while posting and producing my podcast at the Irish Tech News platform. Since then, I realized there's a lot of incredible content in the interviews that I had and my interviews with thought leadership podcast interviews that had amazing gems, amazing gems from um, all the guests that I was able to interview. And so I've chosen and decided to create the uh, Crypto Hipsters Chronicles series, which is a series of the gems, the, the little tiny pieces from each of the interviews that I had in the areas of Bitcoin, Ethereum, metaverses, NFTs, regulatory issues in crypto globally, art, and you name it across the wide spectrum of different verticals in blockchain and crypto industry and in fintech and mobility and sustainability as well. Uh, these are about 15 minutes long, each uh, chronicle, and has three, four, or five different segments from different interviews. So I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I hope you have uh, learned a lot. And if you'd like to um, listen to the full podcasts, they are available online at both the Irish Tech News um, and on Anchor. And uh, in a future date, will be available on the Crypto Hipsters station as well. So please enjoy and uh, talk to you soon. So Hipsters Chronicles, episode four. This episode, we focus on the ethics of blockchain, the social good, um, altruism, and the importance of trust. And the four segments I have from previous interviews that I've conducted, we start off with Don Tapscott, who's the co-founder and the chairman at the Blockchain Research Institute. Then Helen High, who is with Binance Smart Chain. Then next is Chrissy Smith, who is the ambassador uh, for a racing family movie. And we finished uh, with uh, Foreshta Faro, who is the founder of Code to Inspire. So this is the big challenge today. It's finding the leadership for bringing about a change like this. And that leads to my next question. Um, the U.S., especially the SEC chief, right, is often in the news calling cryptos, all cryptos, securities um you know and it looks like they're trying to apply this hundred year old you know methodology the security laws of 1933 and 1940 to digital technologies right um you know what paradigm shift needs to occur with these regulators with the banks you know so that they can look at crypto and uh look at as maybe adoption or side by side working together how can we help to get them there yeah well, um, there's a new paper um, which we're releasing 
this week from the Blockchain Research Institute, we're releasing it public, that argues that securities are one of nine types of digital assets. And you need to have a clear taxonomy to understand the differences between each of these. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite befuddled actually by the SEC because Gary Gensler, who's the head, um, is, is quite knowledgeable. And he taught a course on blockchain at MIT. I know they use my book and the TED talk. Um, and then he comes out and, and says stuff like this. So, and it prevents them from doing all kinds of totally sensible things that would help build an innovation economy and uh, would, would avoid problems. Like, why can't you have a Bitcoin ETF in the United States or an Ethereum ETF or an ETF representing a bundle of assets that would treat it, sure, as a security. Um, and uh, where investors could just phone up their broker and say, I want to buy some of that. All fully regulated, fully compliant. They did. This is possible in Canada. So I don't know. I've never met the man. Um, we'll send him a copy of this paper. I hope he enjoys it. But it, it, it strikes me as odd that you find someone who's quite knowledgeable and then he gets in there and the machine somehow changes the way that, that, he, uh, that he views things. Um, you know, and you spend enough time with people who are threatened by this change and you may end up changing your point of view. I don't know honestly what happened and it's wrong for me to even speculate about it. But I think that that the the problem is not just one of lack of knowledge. The problem is one of old paradigms die hard. And, um, you know, we've got this entire system that's designed to view things a certain way, to view, to, to have a mental model of what this is all about. And, um, and countries that find the leadership for change are going to be the ones that get ahead. Finance charity is helping its causes achieve freedom. Why is blockchain technology an important part of achieving that freedom through social good and the creation of trust? Jamel, this is a great question. First of all, for years, charities and nonprofits have rippled with trust issues from spectators and donors. Building transparency has become more important than ever for charity organizations. And now blockchain technology lends itself as a crucial solution in the donation journey. Blockchain has prioritized bringing greater transparency to the entire donation process. By bringing this new method of fundraising to the charity sector with a transparent, immutable, and fair platform has increasingly imposed the new user experience for cryptocurrency donation and also donor affiliation to their cause. The concept is actually very simple and the application is applicable to global NGOs, initiatives, and campaigns. Blockchain will be a foundation of charity in the coming years. The technology provides real-world solutions and transparency to the daily challenging 
facing nonprofit such as effectiveness and efficiency. We are very proud by using our platform. We provide a record of all transactions on blockchain, making the donation process traceable, immutable, and reliable, and therefore rebuilding trust between donors and charitable organizations. We pass on 100% of the donation to people and projects that they needed most, whilst keeping zero to ourselves, basically zero fee in the whole process. It's interesting that you mentioned efficiency and effectiveness. Long time ago, I, I, I um, got Lean Six Sigma certification. I never used it, uh, but I did become an efficiency expert. Um, and you know, efficiency is important. And your organization, you know, you you um, basically create last mile solutions um, for for social projects. And I want to find out what what last mile solutions means. Um, and how you scale them so quickly. Sure, before I talk about last mile solution, going back, I want to maybe add to complement the efficiency and effectiveness. I want to mention two key numbers. Number one, um, for example, uh, you are now in uh, Ireland. If you want to give 100 uh, pounds actually to a poor girl in Africa, how much in the traditional uh, uh, charity organization? Have a guess roughly how much of your 100 pound will end up in the hands of that poor girl? 2%. <laughs> yeah, 2% mystic. Uh, actually, around 25%. But okay. still, 75%. It's not only just due to corruption. There's a lot of money actually caused due to ineffectiveness and efficiency. We have been running millions actually on our platform for donation and supporting projects in more than 20 countries during COVID when the whole infrastructure is breaking down. You know, supporting billions of masks, uh, oxygen tank, you know, around the globe. Actually, we only have a, a team less than five people. So this is really showing why actually technology has a very important role in terms of providing the efficiency and effectiveness on this. And then when we say actually the your donation go into the end beneficiary, it's not just we're seeing it. everything is transparent, recorded by the technology on the platform. So this, we actually, we can avoid auditors. You don't need it because everything, technology helped us to do the work. So this thing, um, going back to your previous question, I want to complement, you know, with some real figures to talking about efficiency and effectiveness. So there is a role still, I believe, for altruism in crypto and blockchain. How how have you seen the role of altruism play out over time? What's still missing? What needs to happen? Um, what should we do? I think we need to be careful of people. I mean, we need to be careful of nonprofits because I was part of an organization that had altruism stamped all over. But when it came down to it, wasn't. And I'm gonna gonna talk about it, but I'm not on that anymore. But um, you know, altruism, I think, and and, and collaboration are going to be so big in this because we've seen that competition and capitalism, which is just competing against each other, humans competing against each other, is not going to help us you know, with global warming, it's not going to help us communicate with artificial intelligence. 
So I think, um, you know, like we said, he said, oh, was it social technology is the way to go. I mean, we've got to use this technology and look at how can we make the quality of life of humans better and what actually makes humans happy. And let's use this for common good. And what I thought is I got a lot of these, um, you know, uh, domains to donate to my, my favorite nonprofits you know, so that they can start using them. And also I really think these domains can be used for people who wanna like um, for families, for family banking, because I feel like the way the financial system is set up is it individualizes us and it's hard. If you want a family bank or something like that, you need attorneys and accountants and all of that. But there's gonna be a simplification to the process because I'm already using something called um, TribeVest where you can make an LLC and invest with other people with a really simple platform and things like that are going to happen where, you know, you know, people used to not invest in stocks unless they were, you know, a wealthier class. So I think there's going to be, you know, a democratization of investing that's going to be going on with people being able to invest their cryptocurrency versus the stock market, which is a bubble anyway, because I prefer only to invest in things that make the world a better place. And I know that sounds really hard to do, but I feel like I've actually done that. So, you know, I, I don't invest in big pharma. I won't invest in tobacco. So, I mean, I think if everyone invested in what they believed would help the world be a better place, we could solve the world's problems really quick. So let's talk about that. You recently uh, moved out of Pennsylvania and you moved to Arizona and you bought the property to set up a lab for blockchain ethics and altruism, right? You talk, could you talk about that? Well, it's kind of, it, it's going to be called the Carl Smith Labs, and it's a cryptocurrency and reunification lab. So a lot of it is researching blockchain, figuring out how parents and children who are separated through, you know, migration policies, foster care policies, divorce, whatever, you know, can reach out to each other, connect, leave a video, possibly have a cryptocurrency wallet. You know, if a parent's going to pass away, maybe the kid can find the wallet later and they could leave something behind. You know, it's a great way for a parent to leave a legacy of photos or something for a child they're looking for. So I'm kind of want to explore blockchain for bringing humanity back together. And then also just kind of thinking about how can we hold AI accountable or how can we get artificial intelligence at the table and talk about ethics and these bigger issues that, you know, I don't think I don't even know if we want Elon Musk at the ethics table. I mean, didn't his family, you know, the blood diamond people. I don't just because you have money doesn't make you the person who should be making all the decisions and who will be making the best decisions for all of us. I mean, maybe Elon Musk only cares if 5% of the population makes it. I want as much of the population to make it as can through the next whatever global catastrophe. So you're saying that the ethics level shouldn't be determined at the level of space. The ethics level should be determined at the level of ground. I, I think the way we're letting space be bought right now, it is very short-sighted. Yeah. You say a slogan of, of uh, Code to Inspire is great things can start with empty hands. So um, what great things have you seen get accomplished since you funded this organization? Yes, yeah, so um, so that's the slogan that it's always stays with me, and that's because, as I said, with my mom learning how to stitch and make dresses, um, and bringing income. So from a young age, I learned how to be entrepreneur. And necessarily, you don't need to have everything ready for you to do something. You can just use, you know, what's around you in your favor and benefit. 
Um, and with Code to Inspire, um, since 2015, um, we've educated more than 350 students in our coding and graphic design classes. And um, with the data we have from our graduates, 60% of them found job within the community and were getting paid. Um, and many of them were the sole um, breadwinner of the family. We've outsourced more than 30 projects coding or graphic design worth of $40,000. And these are the girls that are getting paid um, $50 to a $1,500 per project and some of them are making double or triple than the men in the family which the average income monthly family in afghanistan is about 150. Um, we've um, created more than 50 social impact games applications animations that are geared towards certain issues in the community and addressing that problem and raise awareness um, so even right now with what's going on in afghanistan we do have about 20 graduates and students that are working remotely on paid projects for clients around the world. So the fact that we were able to help a lot of, of these students who've never touched a computer, who've never been online, um, even didn't have a basic phone uh, to learn about um, um, technical skills and either coding or graphic design and be able to work remotely um, and change their lives in that way. I think we are very proud of that. 